This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with an awesome person, Matt Belknap. Hello. Did I get your name right and everything? Yes, you did. Excellent. Uh, Since I moved to LA, I started to have people on the podcast and realized that I'd only read their last names <laughs> and then find out painfully at the top of my podcast that I have their last name incorrect. You you avoided the pitfall of pronouncing the silent K. I commend <laughs> you on that. You're you're in a minority of people who uh, who correctly identified that the K is silent. Really? Yeah, most a lot of people don't get that. that I think seems... in, the silent K in the middle is is, is sneaky. Like <laughs> you see it in knapsack or night, you're like, right. all right, I know that's silent. But you see in the middle, you don't know what to do with it. So people say Belknap? They, they say Belknap, yeah. <laughs> a, a lot, yeah. More often Do they than think not. you're an alien? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should just go with it, yeah. Like, just be like, yes, I am from the planet Belknap. <laughs> I am Matt from Belknap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, for people who don't know who you are, can you tell uh, the listening people a little bit sure. about who you are? Yeah, I um the producer and co-host of Never Not Funny with Jimmy Pardo, awesome. which is a podcast that we've been doing for almost nine years, and... Um, I also uh, run a record label with my friend Ryan McManaman called A Special Thing Records. And uh, we put out uh, records from people like Paul F. Tompkins and Kyle Kinane and uh, soon Andy Kindler. Awesome. Um, and uh, and Bob Odenkirk. That's coming out in a couple of weeks. So. Cool. That one's already recorded, right? That one's done. It's, uh, it's ready to go. So November 25th, look for Amateur Hour. Awesome. From Bob Odenkirk. Cool. So 2006. So uh, yeah. that was like... The second iTunes made podcasts available, you guys were it on was it. Like the year, yeah, it was pretty soon after. Like I think, I think that happened in two thousand five, and I started doing a show. I was running a website, still run a website called A Special Thing, which is just like a message board for comedy fans, and that's what the record label came out of that. But I also, before we started the record label, I was just doing, I was interviewing comedians for the website. Okay, and so I in two thousand five, when iTunes did that sort of. Um, um, hey, we can let you subscribe to podcasts here. I was like, oh, I'll start, um, you know, I, I sort of had heard about podcasts and I was like, I'll start doing the interviews as podcasts instead of just writing them down and transcribing. Right. You know, I, was, I was like literally transcribing like, you know, hour and a half. Interviews. Like you had a reporter hat that said press. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, so, so yeah, that was AST Radio um, and that was 2005 and then I think. And then at some point I interviewed Jimmy Pardo um, for that and we had a lot of fun doing it and, and I was like I had just gotten really into recording stuff and I was like why don't we record your he was doing a live talk show at the UCB okay. and um, I was like why don't we just record that and put it out as a podcast it's, it'll work in audio it's mostly talking and he was like oh, okay so we recorded one and he was like <laughs> he was like yeah I don't love how it sounds it's I think that's doesn't it doesn't really translate and um you know, let's do something else though. Let's just like, let's just sit at my dining room table and, and talk to my comedian friends. And I was like, yeah, awesome. That'd be great. And so that's how Never Not Funny started in April of uh, 2006. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but your obsession today yeah. related in some ways, right? It uh, goes back from that. <laughs> yeah. I started in the middle. Yeah. The, the, the real origin of everything really that I'm doing now is it was Tenacious D. Cool. Yeah. So would you say that you are still obsessed with Tenacious D? I, I cannot say that that's true, no. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, uh, I think I, at some point, 
well, we'll, we'll get into it more, but I, I think what was really happening was that I was looking to be inspired. And, um, I think for whatever reason, Tenacious D, what they were doing really inspired me, but I think it was really just my obsession with them was sort of like a way for me to, to find my way into the world of comedy myself. Like I didn't, I never thought I could be a comedian, but I definitely wanted to be involved. Okay. And, and Tenacious D was kind of like my gateway to this, the whole scene in LA. So uh, how, how did they provide the, the gateway? Uh, you know, I was trying to think, like before I came here, I was trying to think how I first got into them. Cause weirdly enough, I remember seeing them. They sort of infamously, I think, uh, were, did a, a, performed on SNL. They weren't the musical guest as okay. far as I recall. And they weren't hosting. I think Matthew Broderick was hosting. They just like snuck in. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know what happened. I mean, it was just one of those funny things that SNL does sometimes or, or used to where they would just do something totally off track. I'm pretty sure Matthew Broderick was the host, and I think somehow, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like maybe that was why it was happening. Maybe, um, oh, I think Jack had been in Cable Guy with Matthew Broderick okay. or something. They did something together. Anyway, I think he was a. I think he was a fan of theirs. Maybe he was like, "Hey, Lauren, you should have these guys on." But the weird thing, so I remember seeing them on SNL. And and hating it like that's that's I don't know why like I was like so irritated by it I think I sort of vaguely recognized Jack Black and I was like this guy is so hyperactive and like so desperate for attention like it right. was just like it was it was like uncomfortable to me <laughs> and then like maybe two or three years later I was like running the premier Tenacious D fan site on the internet. (laughs) But like, so I don't remember how I got from there to there. I do know that like a big part of it for me was the HBO show. They, they did basically what it would, what amounted to a spinoff of Mr. Show because it was, it was Bob and David and Scott Ackerman and BJ Porter uh, and a few other writers sort of, I, I don't know if it was, I don't even know if it was after Mr. Show ended or if it was while they were doing the last season of Mr. Show. It definitely aired after Mr. Show was over, but um, they just they did six episodes of a Tenacity HBO TV show, and it was just like, it was too, it was almost like a cartoon format. There was like two <laughs> 12, 11 or 12 minute stories in okay. each episode, each half hour episode. And, um, and for whatever reason, I started watching those and I was like, these guys are amazing. Why did I hate them when I saw them on SNL? Like, this, I just thought it was super smart and, and funny and different. And and, um, and so being in L.A. but not really having any social life to speak of outside of my <laughs> like little circle of college friends that, that I'd sort of moved out here with... Um, I was like, wait, they're they're in L.A. I'm in L.A. I should try to go see them live. Like, they perform around town. So were they the first sort of epiphany where you're like, oh, they're not this faraway magical thing? They're yeah. down the block in this shitty little theater? Kind of, yeah. Like, I actually, I think I had gone to... Like, I sort of dipped my toe into, the, like, the live comedy scene a little bit with um, this weird group uh, of guys. And I forget where they came out of. They were They were, like, a college sketch group that then, like, graduated and moved to L.A. and... They were called No Time, and uh, and like they they were, did a live show around town, and I went to that. Of I, I kind of got weirdly into that for a little while, um, and then they kind of like disbanded, I think. But um, but I think I was kind of like, oh okay, so it's not that hard to like find these little things. 
But with Tenacious D, I was like, how do you figure out when and where they're playing? Because this was like 2000, 99, 2000. Right. Um, like, the internet wasn't really that helpful for everything the way it is now. Like, yeah. it was sort of like, like okay, there was no Facebook, there's no Twitter, there's no MySpace, there's nothing like that where the bands would actually have a, a home base. Right. Tenacious D, I believe, did have a website, but I think it was just like a static image of their logo <laughs> with like a link to buy their t-shirt from the actors gang, which is where they studied with okay. Tim Robbins. Like that's Tim Robbins uh, theater company. And that's where Jack and Kyle met. And, um, and so literally like if you went to their website, it would just be like, want to buy a t-shirt? The end. Like there was nothing else <laughs> about it. And then I knew they played at Largo a lot, but Largo's website was maddeningly uninformative too. It was just like also, a phone number. A redirect point. to a t-shirt? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so like I remember like what you had to do, which is so ridiculous uh, looking back, but like you basically had to call Largo's phone you had to call them like and listen to a recording type. like every week, like just to find out what was happening that week. Right. And so I just like call and be like, "Are they playing?" No. Like th- at this point, they they weren't they were sort of out of the. Out, they weren't doing like, like I think earlier. If I had gotten in on it earlier, I would have it would have been much easier because I think they were performing a lot more in like the mid to late nineties. But by the time I got around to it, which was two thousand two thousand one they were kind of beyond that um, and doing shows out of town, but then they would do a couple of clubs here and there. Like they would be at the key club randomly. Um, So like it became this game to try to find them and see them. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so like, I was like, I think that sort of stoked the fire a little bit of like, like trying, it's a weird thing, but like when you, it's like being a collector, you know, when, when it's, when something is rare it sort of forces you to become more passionate about it. Right, because you spend all that time thinking about what if yeah, today is the right, day I find right. something on the internet. Yeah, yeah. So so I ended up finally, you know, and, and I guess around the same time I had started going to the Laugh Factory a bit because I lived kind of down the street from the Laugh Factory. And um, and um, and I'm maybe slightly embarrassed, but not that embarrassed to say <laughs> that I was, I was also a big fan of, of Dane Cook. This okay. was like before he kind of exploded like he was he would just be he would perform at the laugh factory like all the time and it was uh, my friends and i would love you know we would go to see him a lot and um so again i was kind of like getting more adventurous in my like live comedy forays (laughs) and then tenacious d was kind of like that i just sort of all came together with them and like want you know going to see them as much as i could um and then simultaneously part of the backstory is is kind of weird and not that important or interesting necessarily but i was i basically i i shot i i was i was out here i moved out here to to be a screenwriter and so my day job was reading screenplays um for a production company and write coverage on it which is like this menial task that like low-level people do just because the executives don't have time to read everything so um I was kind of like, that was kind of crushing my soul at the time. And then, so I had written this movie that I shot with my friends and, um, I had, I had all the footage done, you know, it was in the can as they say. And I just was, it, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. So I was just kind of avoiding the editing of it because okay. I was like, first we were kind of looking for an editor and then I was like, I can't dump this in someone's lap. It's, it's garbage. I got It's not going to make any sense that they're not going to know what to do with it. Yeah. It's not like a real movie. It was, it was shot on, um, digital video. So it looked like video. And I was like, 
I guess in my head I thought like, well, we can fix that in post or something. <laughs> but like, that's not that wasn't the happening. Curse of all small film projects. <laughs> yeah, and this is pre DSLRs shooting like you know twenty four frame yeah. stuff. Well, like, I've made a couple of those fix it in post type okay. films. Yeah, yeah, and this was pre HD too, so it was like it was. It was a video, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was a feature-length video. But in your mind, it was a fucking blockbuster. Well, in my mind, before we shot it, I was like, "This is it. This is going to be my Citizen Kane." Basically, yeah. <laughs> like I was—I think I was the same. I was twenty-six, same age as, as Orson Welles when he made Citizen Kane. I was like, "Here we go." And then once we shot, it's like the the first day we were shooting, I was like, "Oh, this is yeah. this is doomed." <laughs> so like I was, and it was very. It was it was like it was it like it kind of like I kind of went into a depression over that and. And so when we were done shooting, like I survived the shooting of it, which was kind of almost traumatic because it was yeah. to go every day. And we were like, I was working, everyone was working real jobs. So like we, I would be waking up at like four thirty in the morning to drive to USC to shoot in a, this is in the summer. So like we were shooting in a frat house that was mostly unoccupied for the summer. And we were shooting from like, you know, 6am to 9am and yeah. everyone would go to work and it was ridiculous. Um, so I survived that, but I had all this fucking footage and I, <laughs> and I didn't want to deal with it cause I was so depressed about the fact that this was not going to be my citizen game at all. It was going to be nothing. Not even magnificent Amberson. Right. <laughs> this isn't going to be even be like those commercials that Orson Welles did at the end of his career where he was drunk on the set. <laughs> Worse than the Orson Welles wine commercial. Yeah. Uh, uh, the French. <laughs> right. So I, uh, so I was just, I was procrastinating. I didn't want to look at that footage. I didn't want to edit it. I didn't want to deal with it. So I was just like, I, I had this day job, which I was, I worked from home reading scripts. Like I would get a script at night, mm-hmm. I would read it and then I would write it up and turn it in by 10 a.m. in the morning, which theoretically left me the, the day to like work on my own writing or do whatever right. productive thing I, I, you know, thought I should be doing to advance my career, I guess. But instead I was just fucking around on the internet like a lot of people do. <laughs> and I got into message boards and I was like, I, I, I got into like this weird blip on the the pop culture or the internet culture radar which was the um i don't know if you remember that all your base are belong to us yeah you remember that thing? yeah they like the whole thing was like you would just photoshop pictures existing things i like i i, I was kind of into graphic design and like and i got a bootleg copy of, of photoshop and i was like oh i can make these things and it was just fun to make them and then like there was these message boards that were like you, you know post them here and share it and i was like oh and i didn't know what a message board was uh, you know i had been on uh i don't even think i ever was on aol but like i sort of understood the idea but like i was like oh this is cool there's people with shared interests like sharing yeah. you know posting things and so then i was like wait a minute this is all on this platform called easy board where anybody can make their own message board okay. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I should make a Tenacious D message board so that fans can share information about where they're performing so that I don't have to fucking call Largo every week. And I was like, this is, good. This is it. Like, uh, this will be the solution to my problem of how to find out when Tenacious See, D is playing. A special thing started as a Tenacious D hunting board. Yes, basically. Yeah, yeah. On, on this platform called Easy Board, which is like this weird fucking... It was like probably part of that first internet bubble of like... The millennia, you know, like 99, 2000, where like crazy companies were springing up on the internet. Right. And this was one of them. Like, hey, they, they had like m- like hundreds of thousands of message boards all yeah. hosted on this one thing. And then and then it crashed one time and we lost everything and people were very angry. Oh, I bet. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, yeah, so that's how I started a special thing. It was just... Um, it was just a message board for people to talk about Tenacious D because they, the only, by this point, 
they they had upgraded from their one page website <laughs> with the t-shirt <laughs> sales to because they had signed a record deal with Sony um Sony had a page for Tenacious T okay. and it linked to Sony Music's Sony Music had an overall message board system okay. for all their bands and all the everything and it was garbage it was like the <laughs> worst fucking shittiest message board like it was so it was almost non-functional it was so bad and so I was like well like you know we can certainly do better than that and like let's make a place where people actually want to go and, yeah. and congregate and so I did that and then you know everybody pretty much everybody from there migrated over to AST uh, to talk about Tenacious D in a, in, a, in a much friendlier environment and easier to use environment. And, um, and yeah, that was 2001. That was like the early 2001. Wow. So that was right around when their first album came out, right? It was, a, it was like a few months before that album came out. Yeah. So there was like, we sort of got caught up in the wave of, of the press of like them ramping up like PR for that oh, so album. So were there articles about like... Fans in LA have started a no, no. It was more like they were reaching out to us. Their 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 people were reaching out to us to like help coordinate. You know, like there was, and I think for a brief amount of time there was some discussion of like merging with the official site, the official initiative okay. site that Sony was running and having me run it. And I was just like, I, I I I forget exactly what went down, but I think I was ultimately like, I don't need like that's. But there's no upside yeah. for me in this. There's no pay. Had it already grown out of just being a tenacious D hunting site into its <laughs> its own its own thing. Well, once I set it up, you know, uh, it was still mostly about tenacious D. But once I set it up, I realized, like, you know, how message boards are. There's different forums. There's different rooms or whatever. Yeah. And so when I set it up, there was like all these different rooms for different aspects of tenacious. Like there was one whole thing just for lyrics. Okay. And then there was like <laughs> one whole thing just for live shows. Then there was a general tenacious D thing. And then, but then, and then I realized you kind of, every message board at that time and probably still had the off topic area where it's like, if people want to talk about something not tenacious D related, you got to give them that too. So our off topic area was broken down into, uh, Mr. Show and other comedy was like the main, the first thing. And then there were like a couple other things. I don't even remember. I think one of them actually, (laughs) one of them was just a, uh, a flash-based mini golf game. <laughs> it's like the reason for that was that they in in one of the episode in one of their songs, but also in one of the episodes of the HBO show, they were playing um, Genesis PGA Pro Tour Two. Okay. Like that was a plot, like kind of a plot point in one of the shows. So, um, and it's also mentioned in the song "Special Things," which is what the site is named after. Okay, um, I think the line is. Um, uh, oh wow! This is how out of it I am. Like trying to like, I would be. This would be so in the front of my mind fourteen years ago. <laughs> um, but it was like uh, something about when yeah, a, a tin cup shot in Genesis Golf. That's a special thing. Something. Like that. Okay. So so we're like, well, we have to have like we have to have this whole thing. We just named it Tin Cup, <laughs> and it was like you would just click on it, and it would just it would just load this flash based game. But then underneath it, you could post your like screenshots of like your high score in the game. Or whatever. <laughs> so nerdy. So um, did people actually play this game a lot? Yeah, it was good. It was on a it was on a site called Electro Tank, which was like a weird, like again, a turn of the millennium uh, website that was the whole idea was online video games. Yeah, with some banner ads probably. Um, and it was good. It was it was like one of those games where you have to like click the ball and you pull it back with the mouse, 
and then let go and, and you, 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 you aim and then you let go and it, it knocks it forward. <laughs> I'm, and I'm explaining how golf, video golf works to you. In, in my so. mind, I'm just picturing Jack Black finding your sight and then just playing the golf game. <laughs> I hope he did at some point. I hope that happened. I I'm, somehow think he did. I don't, you know what, I like, uh, we can get into that too at some point, but like, um, both of those, neither of those guys, I think were particularly online like they weren't really big online in that at that point in time uh, maybe now they've gotten a little more involved i know um kg's on on twitter okay um, but, and jack, i think actually jack might even run, i don't know if he runs it but like i think he participates in the official tenacious d twitter account a little bit but yeah um at that point th- that was a weird thing that happened um as the site grew there was like the obvious question of like are those guys ever going to show up here? You right. Know what I mean, like that, that's what everybody, all the fans kind of probably dreamed of. If we least. make enough noise. Yeah. Like if this gets big enough, then they'll have to acknowledge it <laughs> and maybe even get participate. And the closest that came to happening was, um, Kyle's mom started <laughs> posting like a lot. Like she came in with the screen name star mom <laughs> and she like, she like answered and like we, she would answer questions. And for a while it was like, this isn't really like this. This yeah. is just somebody pretending. And this right? is kind of in, this is right around when South Park was big too. So seeing Kyle's mom to me has the immediate that's a good South point. Park association. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, we probably, yeah, that probably occurred to somebody at some point. I didn't, I, I don't remember if I thought that, but yeah, it, it was weird. I mean, it's just weird for anybody's mom to be on the message board, yeah. I think. but uh, any grown adult mom should not be on a message board. But, uh, but I think it, eventually we did verify that it was her because I think somebody <laughs> met her at a show. Okay. Someone who put, so like one of the regulars on the board met her at a show and she was like, yeah, like I'm star mom or whatever. Like it was definitely verified. It yeah. wasn't like we fi- like, cause it does sound ridiculous. Like it sounds like there's no fucking way. Why would that happen? But yeah, <laughs> she would like answer questions about the band and about Kyle and whatever. Like, okay. So that was kind of exciting. You know, I was like, oh, cool. And then later on, I think there was like this weird transition period where <clears throat> Tenacious D kind of stopped. Like Jack Black became a movie star, right. as you may recall. <laughs> and, um, and so Tenacious D kind of took a, a way back seat to his movie career. So the site kind of, that's when the Mr. Show section kind of blossomed. Okay. And basically took over the site. Like it be, that became the main thing of the site is people talking about comedy yeah uh just co- comedy that's in in the same vein like the same kind of sensibility as mr show and tenacious d and stuff like that so um and and like comedy bang bang which was called comedy death ray back then had just started in la as a weekly live show and i started going every week and so i started posting more about that and writing up okay uh like live stand-up shows the way i'd been doing with tenacious d shows and that's sort of how <clears throat> I became friends with some of those guys and, and sort of ended up where I am now. But Was there a moment where <clears throat> you went on and said, this is no longer about Tenacious D, a, a sad day well, and a good day has come, that this is about all comedy and no longer just Tenacious D? You know, there were so many iterations of the board because like, there, like, there were a few moments, like I said, the easy board crashed and yeah. <laughs> lost a bunch of stuff. So that kind of forced everything to re... Like we kind of rebooted from that point and then after that it was like fuck easy board like we can't yeah. be we can't be beholden to this weird entity so like we just we, <laughs> lost we, all our <laughs> high scores in golf yeah. <laughs> yeah if you fuck with our golf scores <laughs> god damn it we're out of here um so yeah then it, then we 
then we moved over to like PHP BB or something, which is okay. like a very popular software. But that's that gives you more control. You sort of you basically you pay for your own hosting, you buy your own domain, and then, okay. which we already had, but like you install it on your own server and then it runs. But and then that crashed at one point, <laughs> and then we like we we went through a few different iterations. Now it runs on vBulletin, but um, but I think. D- as it as we sort of evolved and and switched software platforms, it just became obvious. Like at one point, it was just like, well, no one's talking about tenacious D anymore. Right. So like at, at one of those transition periods, we were just like, we don't need all this tenacious D stuff. Like we can just. I think there was probably one uh, sort of era, like a brief period of time, where like there was one tenacious D form. Sadly, at the bottom, <laughs> while like the other ones kind of took over. Just mom in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then that eventually went away, and now it's just all comedy. You know, it's just broken down by different types of things. But, um, but yeah, basically the Mister Show forum graduated to like the top <laughs> spot, and and uh, but but that's after that was after like the sort of what I consider the heyday of the Tenacious D era, which there were a lot of kind of weird stuff happened and funny and kind of crazy stuff happened in my life. Uh, as I like, sort of took on the mantle of being their like number one fan, kind yeah. of maybe only in my own mind, but I kind of felt like because I run this site and the site sort of by default became like yeah the the place for fans of this of this band, I kind of felt like I was like this weird like um, you know like I had some sort of position of authority in the in the fan base, um, but uh, yeah, the, you know like. There was some, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been involved in like an online community, but like it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty like it, this was like before, like no one had anything to compare it to. It was kind of, I think it was a lot of people's first real like message board yeah. experience. And I don't know. There's just like a very, uh, it's like a, sometimes like you, you get this real camaraderie, but then you also sort of get this sense of like, you know, people trading bootlegs. Like that was a big part of it. I think early on was like people would, there was a whole bootlegging scene, mm-hmm. um, and at that time, because file sharing was pretty much non-existent, like it was in its infancy, yeah. b- based based on bandwidth restrictions, people couldn't really share right. full shows like over the internet. So it was really like we were like people would send you blank CDs, and you would like burn a show that like you in had. the mail. Yeah, they would send you a blank plus an env- like a return envelope. Okay, and and you would burn the show you had, and then send it back to them, and then. They would send you something with the with the blank that they sent you or whatever. Did you guys physically meet up at shows? Sometimes, yeah. Or were yeah. people kind of shy about it? Of like, we all quietly go to Tenacious it, D anonymously and then well, we talk about it the, online. The thing is, not like not a lot of people were in LA. Actually, it was, it was weird. Okay. Is like it was a lot of people from other places who just liked the band but had no access to them. Right. And that so, was the early promise of the internet is to bring people from far away, right, together, and, interested in the and, one weird thing. Right, and that's really what it was. Like, I, I think, um, you know, I definitely like like my friend Mark was like I met him through the message board, and he lives in Orange County, and so like I met him. He was probably one of the first people I met from the message okay. board in real life um, because he would drive up to see shows. But and then maybe there were a couple other people, but in the like in the tenacious D heyday of the site. I didn't really meet that many people in person. Okay. Like I, I, I think, or I think actually also part of it was that like I was, 
I was kind of having like a multiple personality situation <laughs> happening where like I felt like I was because nobody who I knew in real life, like my family didn't know about the website. My wife knew about it, but yeah. like other than her and maybe one friend, nobody in my real life knew about that I was doing this. Did you actively hide it or did you just kind, just of, kind of not come up or? I, well, it was very easy to not bring it up because it was like it's not like somebody's gonna say hey do you run a yeah, tenacious like, d message board yeah. like hey you like tenacious d are you the guy that's running that <laughs> message board about them like it just seemed so out of yeah. the you know and like i mean maybe i would mention to them that like oh man like you gotta check out this hbo show or like i'm going to this show like, yeah it's awesome but like i wasn't even really doing that i think it was more so that like i was just like this is separate but so but then what happened was when i would go to a show um, it was like, I kind of felt weird. Like, like I'm, I'm me now. I'm not the online version of me. Right. I'm the actual me here. And I felt awkward meeting people in person. So like, th- like I said, that only happened a handful of times and, um, it was always awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I kind of, it was easy enough to just be anonymous, obviously, yeah. because no one knew what I looked like or anything, um, or what my name was even. Um, so, uh, but then, so like, there was this guy, um, I totally forget his name now. I even forget his screen name, but one of the like cool things that kind of came out of this community was there was this guy that would make custom hockey jerseys and like <laughs> he made like, a, he made me a, a, like a LA Kings jersey that said, instead of the kings it just said the d on the front <laughs> and then i think on the back it said like i forget what like what mine said like he made a few of them like, okay. he made one for himself he w- made one for me uh maybe he made a, a couple others for some other fans and then he made he made one for jack and one for kyle and um sent them to them and um so anyway i had mine and it was awesome. Like, it yeah. was really well done. Like, he was, like, it wasn't, like, he, like, cut out, like, fabric and stitched it onto the okay. shirt. And, wow. Like, and, like, put the number on the back with the name over the number. And, like, you know, mine might have said Wonder Boy. I forget. Like, it was, like, some <laughs> reference or something. Um, you know, uh, so so they were performing on Kilborn. Oh, wow. Remember that guy? Yeah. <laughs> before before uh, Ferguson? Um, yeah, the, 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 sh- the post Letterman show, the 1230 slot on, on CBS, um, was, was Craig Kilborn and, um, they were performing. So I got tickets and I went and I wore my shirt. And, um, so at that point, like anybody who was on the site, if they saw me in that shirt, cause like, it was like, you know, we, everybody like followed it seemed like everyone was very plugged into everything that was happening on the board like <laughs> yeah that was a big deal when that guy made those shirts it was like oh my god this is awesome so like he was posting pictures and stuff and uh so it was not subtle it was a clear indicator right. so like of I, you is is alpha d right so like i went there and and i like anybody who knew this it was kind of like a this is this is how people who are on the site will know like who, who i am and yeah. so and i think i i don't remember but i think i probably saw a couple of people there who who were on the on the board Luckily, like I gotta say, as a side note, those people weren't really like, like no one really wanted to like hang. Like I didn't. I think they, we probably all felt the same way. It was just like, yeah, yeah, we're on the message board and we liked an HZ, but like I don't want to like hang out with you <laughs> necessarily, except for like in a couple of exceptions where like I ended up being friends with some people. But like, um, but yeah, so I went to the show. They come out and Kyle's wearing his 
wow. um, his jersey, but Jack isn't. And um, they went to the couch first, I think, and then performed. But okay. like, that's the way I remember it. Um, or no, maybe, I don't know. I don't remember how, which went first, but basically what happened was they did one segment and it might've even come up on the show that Jack like lost his, sh- like he was like, <laughs> oh, I had one too, but I lost mine or whatever. <laughs> so like during the commercial break, I like took my shirt off and I like, like I was, I waved it around and he like, he came over and he was like, oh, thanks dude. He took it and put it on <laughs> and then like went back and either they, I think then the way I remember it, or I could be totally wrong, but the way I remember it is they then performed with that. Wow. And, and so, and then somebody, it might've been Kyle or some assistant or somebody like brought me like some of Kyle's picks. They had these, okay. like, they had like Tenacious D guitar picks. That, yeah. And now you had another shirt on, right? Yes. That, you know, okay. <laughs> it was not topless at that point. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, seem like I will go topless fan. <laughs> right. No, that's I'm a different that level guy. of obsession. Yeah. And that's the thing, like talking about this, I guess I should have started by saying I'm not like this at all. <laughs> like I've never been like a psycho fan about anything. Yeah. Really. Um, like I definitely get way into stuff. Um, but and more so like when I was younger, I would get way into stuff. But um, but this is like a really a total anomaly in my life. Yeah. Like I was never like it really it really was kind of like I was like kind of like trying on someone else's clothes in a weird right. way. Um, <laughs> someone else's embroidered jersey, <laughs> hockey jersey. Uh, yeah, I, I just like I I wasn't that guy. I didn't like, and I knew I knew how it was coming off. Like for people who were just on the message board, it was like this guy. Like I think I portrayed myself as like this super geek. You know, like a yeah. guy. Like I think everybody pictured like a slobby dude <laughs> in his basement. You know, yeah. like or in his parents' basement. And I, that's not who I was at all. But for but I didn't really care if people thought of it that way. I just kind of I just kind of got super excited about like the this comedy that was that these guys were creating and just like threw myself into it probably as a way of avoiding the other shit that was happening in my life but um (laughs) but yeah it was and also you know i never thought about this part of it too but like i did get married in in 2000 and this kind of all came on the heels of that and i'm just realizing for the first time now that it might have been my way of being like just because I'm married doesn't mean I'm like a grown up now. I can still have this like dumb juvenile hobby that like I'm still no, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, like cool in heavy quotes. <laughs> but like, I still uh, like comedy, music, rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like. I don't know why. Like, I think that was just a big like. Um, you know, like I think I I think I I went into adulthood in fits and starts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think that's a natural way to do it. To say, yeah, I'm still gonna do all this sort of crazy shit right and not just change who i am because i'm married right i like i had a real hard time i think growing up honestly because like <laughs> i like even when i was a kid i didn't i didn't want to let go of my toys you know like i was playing with my i was playing with toys after everybody else was like dude we're fucking 13 like, yeah stop playing with toys and i was the same way i was committed <laughs> yeah. i i just and it bummed me out when friends would be like i don't like toys anymore i'm into sports i'm like oh sports no it's all about toys toys are the thing we'll never give up toys and so, like, it was the same thing. It was just, like, I didn't want to give up this, like, sort of idea of being, like, a kind of like a, a kid who just doesn't, yeah. you know, like, and, and like, you know, I, I think I eventually did get over that. But, like, it's weird how, like, that all led to this whole thing that's become sort of my my livelihood. And, yeah. and now it is a very adult thing where, like, I have 
responsibilities. And yeah, like, you channel the obsession into something productive. Yeah, which I think is I think people there's some people who have obsessions where they can do something about it. Mm-hmm. Other obsessions are just sort of like, well, I watch the show and I buy the T-shirt and I tweet about it and like there's no way to be right. be sort of inside the obsession. Right. Well, that was the thing. Like because I was a, an aspiring writer. That whole time, I think, like, I was just trying to, like, without admitting it to myself, because I didn't want to admit to myself, like, what what I was really dealing with or doing, but, like, I think I was trying to find my way in, like I said. Like, right. Like, and so, like, I wanted to, I think what I really wanted to be doing was writing shows like Mr. Show or, or Tenacious right. like, basically contributing creatively to an endeavor like this endeavor. And they didn't need my help obviously <laughs> um like they were doing fine on their own and well, but, except for the jerseys yeah they didn't need the jersey that one time yeah oh and so the the footnote or the the sort of epilogue of that story is that um uh you know obviously jack kept that shirt like yeah. i didn't get it back from him i don't think like not in a dickish way like i think he was just like oh i think he might have even thought i was the guy that made them or whatever yeah. probably so uh that one was his but then you know i told that story on the message board and people were like, it was like, that was an epic story for yeah. fans of Tenacious D. It was like, yeah. that's the coolest possible thing yeah. that you could ever do. So that guy made me another shirt, oh, awesome. which I still have. Uh, Not as good as the first one. Say, <laughs> sorry to say. <laughs> Did he it. rush it out? <laughs> I don't know what happened, but the first one was way cooler. I don't know. Like I The love... second one, the D is way too big. It's crazy. It's like, <laughs> I should have worn it today. It's I like, really like the ending. image that some guy who makes custom hockey jerseys based on Tenacious D would be really <laughs> passive aggressive. <laughs> I have to make a second because he lost his. Yeah. No, he was, I think he was happy to do it. It was, yeah. he was like, he was, he was really touched that they wore them on the show. Like that yeah. was a big deal for him Yeah, that, that he got to see his, his work on, on late night television. And, uh, so he was psyched that I was able to complete the circle, you know, of like yeah. getting, there's also like, I think a lot of obsessions and a lot of fandom is tied to OCD. So I think yes. probably a lot of people were like, yes, we must have a matched set of Tanisha's D. It cannot be one with the Jersey and one without, this is terrible. So it was like, yes, we, 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 Checked that box. We got Tenacious two guys. OCD. Yes, yeah. in that <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that was uh, that was a highlight. Um, and then I did meet them. I was going to say um, you're immersed in the LA comedy world. Mm-hmm. It would be difficult for you to have not met them at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the first time I met them was like strictly as a fan. They were doing a signing of their DVD um, set, which is it for the show or for the film? It was, uh, it wasn't for the film. I'm trying to remember what the fuck it was. Um, it was called like the complete masterworks, I think. And I think, so maybe it had, I think it had the HBO show on it, but it also had like a live show. Oh, by the way, I also, um, because they had an open taping policy, like, uh, for bootleggers. Okay. I made a live concert, <laughs> uh, like a, like the I, best of. Yeah, no, no, no. Like I went to a show and videotaped it with oh, my okay. camera, and then coordinated with two other people who had also videotaped it, and then I edited together a multi-camera all the angles like concert film. Nice. And I also took the audio from there was like a, a like a really like guy who had really good microphones and like a high end bootleg guy who was at that show. I took his audio. And put it on like and like meticulously synced it, yeah. which is a fucking nightmare. Um, this is also because I had like because I was 
I was supposed to be editing this movie, like I had Final Cut Pro. Yeah, you had all the software. So, but I didn't know I hadn't I'd never used it before. So I was like, well, I'm going to edit together this this Tenacious D show, and that'll be how I'll I'll learn how to use Final Cut. Yeah, and I did, and and that's actually that was actually a very useful way to like learn how to do it because it was something that I was interested in doing. And then when I was done with that, I did. Uh, you'll be happy to hear I did eventually <laughs> edit that movie. I finished it, and um, to no acclaim whatsoever, <laughs> it was distributed amongst maybe twelve people on DVD to the people who were involved in making it, and that was the end of it. But um, but yeah, so so uh, so the, yeah, but then they put together this this video, this DVD set of like all well, this stuff they had done up to that point, and um, and so I went to. Um, Tower Records, but I guess Virgin on, okay. on Sunset back when that was still there, and uh, at, which was Crescent Heights and Sunset, um, and they were doing a signing, and um, and I, I, you know, I feel like I think Kyle was on his cell phone the whole time, <laughs> that I, like he was talking to somebody, I think, his and, mom, perhaps, <laughs> maybe, like yeah, yeah, Governor ST's here, yep, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a big nerd, <laughs> not as overweight as you would think, but yes. Uh, but, um, smells of baseball. <laughs> but yeah, but Jack was really kind. Like I kind of said like, Hey, I don't know if you know about a special thing.com. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, like he gave that. Yeah. That was completely indecipherable where he was either like, it was either one of three things. <laughs> he was like being polite and had no idea what AST was, <laughs> or he, um, knew what it was and was like, yeah, yeah. Or he, uh, knew what it was, but didn't want to seem like like he like he knew what it was so he kind of gave a like a half yeah like, like he didn't want to seem overly enthusiastic right, like so he like he kept it vague enough that like there was no discerning <laughs> what what did, what he knew or didn't know but he was still very very nice to me and and um and a friend of mine who was also on the message board was with me and uh actually that's i think that's where i met my friend mark for the first time uh, who was like another he was a cool. moderator on the board um but yeah i met them there that was probably 2000 to um and and then years later after everything was over and done and i had already been doing um never not funny for a while and and had moved on with my life and was running the record label i was at a um comedy death ray christmas show i think and um and jack was there and is a performer or just i think he was yeah i think he i think he i think he was performing oh i don't remember him I don't remember what he did on the show, but but he was in the green room. He might okay. not have been on the show. He was just in the green room, and I was hanging out with um, Jonah Ray, who's a, a, a comic um, and friend of mine who's on our record label, and he knew Jack a little bit. And um, and so I kind of got into a conversation with Jack, just like a hangout. We were, yeah. like, we were talking about video games for like 15 minutes, which is <laughs> like... You know, there was still at that point part of me going, "This is awesome! I can't believe I'm like talking to Jack as like a regular person and not yeah. a fan." Like, and you didn't bring up a special thing this I time. Did not <laughs> bring it up at all. No, um, and uh, and then Kyle, um, I've, I ended up. Um, I, I produced a bunch of other podcasts on and off here and there, just like helping out friends or doing cool. whatever. And um, one of them is with. Matt Walsh from the UCB. He does a, a Chicago Bears podcast called Bear Down. <laughs> and um, and his brother is named Pat, um, is on the show sometimes. And then Pat and his friend Alex, it's getting so convoluted, but 
they wanted to do a podcast, so I, I helped them out with that, and and that's called Frankly Speaking, and they're friends with Kyle. Okay. And so they had Kyle on their show, and I was like, I had to tell them, like, they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to have Kyle Gas from Tenacious T, and I was like, oh, wow, um, guess what? I was, like, the biggest Tenacious T <laughs> fan in the world for a couple of years, and I, like, explained it to them, so they're like, oh, cool, so, like, when he came on... We kind of talked about it a little bit on the show, yeah. um, which was cool. Again, he was really cool and, and friendly, and, and um, but it was weird. It, it was one of those moments where I felt like, man, I, um, I'm, I guess I did finally grow up despite all my efforts <laughs> to not do that because I, I was like, I, I was cool, but I wasn't like losing my mind about right. it. I was just kind of like, I mean... I've met a few people here and there doing what I do and it's been to varying degrees of craziness and coolness. And like, you know, like, like, like when I first met Bob Odenkirk, it was insane. I was yeah. like losing my mind because I was like, he's like a hero of mine. Um, but at a certain point you just kind of get to the point where you're like, well, these are people in the world. Like, it's not that weird. It's like they're friends like we have friends in common or whatever. And it just is what it is. So like, yeah, like, when when that happened, this was just like last year, I think, um, when we did this show with Kyle, and it was really it was fun. But but I, I definitely was like, man, I'm not as like geeked out as I obviously yeah. would have been a year a few years ago. But also, it just it just kind of made me sad. It was kind of like, oh, I guess I really am just like a, an adult now. <laughs> like I just can't. Is get... it that is it that it it is a single a uh, signal of being an adult, or is it that are you sort of mourning that passion? I, maybe yeah i mean i have kids now and um you know like that's kind of where like a lot of my um like <laughs> that's kind of where a lot of my emotion goes yeah. now like you know like my that seems healthy <laughs> yeah i think that's the correct <laughs> thing to happen in, in one's life <laughs> like i i i'm like very much uh you know that's a big obviously it's a big part of my life yeah and um but it does make other things kind of seem like everything kind of it has a little bit of a different hue, I think, in, yeah. in some ways. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, maybe it's just that. It's just like, you know, this isn't the center of my universe anymore, which I think is a good thing, but it's also like, you know, I don't, you know, I do sometimes feel like, yeah, do I, have I lost the passion for comedy in general? Like, which is, but that's also a bummer to think that that might be happening a little bit, but I still love being involved in it. Um, and, and doing what I do. So, uh, you know, and like, I love my job, but, but it's, it's different. I mean, I think what, I think that what happens is when you make that transition from just being a fan to right. having like, this is my career. It just, no one, like n no real job is fun a hundred percent of the time. And right. like everything that's a responsibility has aspects to it that aren't ideal. And over time, you just adjust to that and it's like, well, I'm still doing what I love to do, but just like any job, there's like things about it that you're like, Oh, I got to deal with this now. And so like, it just becomes a different, you have a different relationship to it. You know right. what I mean? Like you can't just, you can't just deal with it purely on a, like I'm doing it cause I want to, or I'm, or I'm doing it because I I'm passionate about it. It's, it's some days you just have to w get up and go to work and it's not, right. it's not like what you really want to be doing that moment. But, um, I'm lucky that I get to do like what I do is almost entirely what I chose to do and, <laughs> and what I love to do. So I don't have those moments that often where I'm like, Oh great. I gotta go fucking help produce comedy now. Like <laughs> this like, back to the comedy minds. But, um, but you know, I, I definitely think that 
as you go further and further along that path, you sort of, and it's also probably just part of getting older that you just, you just kind of, you lose that like kind of youthful enthusiasm probably a little bit. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I was kind of reflecting the other day about that, about how it's like, oh man, I, I, um, I would love to have a little of that back just like here and there. Like it, it just that, that burst of, or like, I don't know. Cause I think that's kind of how I, I've always found my sort of what I want to do is like, I just follow what interests me. And so now I'm kind of like, well, I'm doing what interests me, but is there, what's the next thing or what else can I do? Like, are there, are there any new avenues? And, and it just like, I don't know. I think, you know, when you have young children, it's like, there's not a lot of energy left to, <laughs> to, to pursue those things. You're not like, yeah. okay, the kids are in bed. Let's go back to the message board and see what other interests I can <laughs> nurture in my life. It's like, that's not happening. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really natural thing as you get older to have, there's almost that, that joy that you used to have about like discovery yeah. or breaking the rules is almost replaced by just joy of, uh, being content yeah like you know i did a comedy piece a couple of years ago that was like a sexy poem about like the sexiest thing that can happen in my life right now is that my wife and i both get to stay home the same night <laughs> and we watch netflix <laughs> and it was it was a joke but yeah. it had also come out of like uh i had had a challenge of like you need to write a really sexy poem mm-hmm. and i was like i yeah. i am in a very happy committed <laughs> marriage right, i don't have right. sort of those youthful ideas about what is sexy like what is honestly like just i can't believe i get to do that with a right. girl is <laughs> right yeah no that's a really good point actually i was just recently thinking about um my guidance counselor in high school uh i remember him saying like you know when you're when you're a teenager when you're young you know this is such a almost like banal idea or you know it's kind of a cliche but it, it kind of resonated with me at the time it was like you know when you're that age your life is a roller coaster it's like your emotions are you're really really high and then yeah. you're really really low and uh, you're you're never you know in in balance but then as you get older everything kind of smooths out yeah so that you don't you're not you're not up and down so you're not all over the place as much hopefully if, if you're if you're <laughs> healthy you know and, and like i do mean that sincerely like yeah. because if you if you struggle with with mental health i know that that's not the case but but uh but you know assuming that you're that you're okay it kind of evens out which means that you never go to those lows really as much but you also never go to the highs as much right or at all really like and that's what, kind of what i was reflecting on is that i don't really feel like i get those highs anymore that the way I used to of like just being so like amazed at things, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it used to be like when I was in, in, in high school and college, it was movies and you know, like I always wanted to make movies. I was so excited about movies. And so like when I would see a good movie, it would be like this incredible experience. Like I remember seeing Pulp Fiction and seeing the usual suspects and things like that. And when I was in college and I was just like this, like it was so amazing. Like it was like a whole new world was opening right. up, but like, once you open those worlds up and you go into those worlds and you live in those worlds or, or try to work in those worlds, the magic of that is over. Like <laughs> You're you behind the to, curtain. Yeah, you don't get to feel at the wizard's end. ass. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, so I, I, you know, I definitely, my life has, has really smoothed out and, and it's great that I, you know, I don't, I don't lament the loss of those ups and downs like that. That's, you know, I, I don't want drama in my life, but right. But I do kind of feel like, you know, what propels people a lot of times is that pursuing that, that kind of euphoria that you get from discovering something that really inspires you. Yeah. 
and that's what that's what Tenacious D was. For and me. do you still, as a a man of comedy, do you still like Tenacious D? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Now that never changed. I still think they're brilliant. I still think that what they were doing and what they still do, because I mean, they're still they're still going at it. Um, I, I just I think it's just a completely. I just think it's a great conceit. Like the idea that these two schlubs <laughs> think that they're rock stars. Yeah. And like the juxtaposition, like I think that's a lot of comedy is like juxtaposing extremes and the extreme of how they see themselves and how their music portrays them versus what, what they actually are, who yeah. they actually are. And that's why this sh- the HBO show to me was like the perfect distillation of, okay. of what they do because because it revolved around the story of two schlubby guys sharing an apartment in Hollywood and going to open mic nights and then trying to play this like grandiose, like (laughs) meatloaf style (laughs) arena rock, but with acoustic guitars like that, even the music alone, if you you take a, take the narrative out of it, just the music alone, I think is a great juxtaposition of like, like basically playing heavy metal on two acoustic guitars. Like that's kind of what it is. And um, I think that's a really funny idea. Just by itself, that's a funny idea. But then you add to it the funny idea of who's doing it <laughs> and, and wh- who, wh- where they're coming from and you know, who they are and who they think they are. I just, I, I just, yeah, it just always, it's just, I think if my, I don't think it'll ever not tickle me that that's, you know, that, that, that that's what it is. And I, and I actually think, and you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this over the years too, is like, I think one of the things that sets them apart as in the genre of musical comedy is that they're musically really talented. I mean, Kyle is yeah. incredibly talented. Um, he's, he's a talented player, but he's also a really talented songwriter, like in writing, you know, um, melodies and stuff. And so, and that's hard to, that's hard to, um, you know, be consistent with. But I do think that this, the stuff that they created over the first, because they, I mean, I think they started writing stuff probably 95 or 94. Like it was real early on. So they they had about six years or seven years of, you know, gestation before they like sort of came out as, you know, a, a band with an album, but they did have the HBO show in there too. But basically I think those songs are great songs. I yeah. mean, like they're like, the, like, I really liked the music regardless. Like if, if I put the comedy aside, I, I would just, I gravitated towards the music. Did you have moments of just like rocking out? Yeah, yeah. I would listen to it. I would listen to them. It was like, you know, I wasn't listening to that much else other than Tenacious <laughs> D for a little while. Like, I, I you know, I had I, there's other music I listened to, I guess, but um, but I would like put a bootleg on and like in the car or at home yeah. and just listen to it for the music of it. Not even like because like you know, once you get the joke, you get the joke. But and that's another honestly, that's another weird thing about it that I, I'm maybe a little frustrated by it because of this where I'm kind of on the side of like straight comedy, but musical comedy has that advantage that music has of, you know, people can listen to music over and over again and get hooked on it. And it's like, it's, it's, it's different than comedy, which is comedy is usually an intellectual pursuit. Um, and music is an emotional, like a, you know, it's, it's different. And so they combined those two things, but, uh, I don't think I could have gotten as, psychotically fanatical about uh just a comedian right you know what i mean like um i was way into a lot of comedians and still i still am a big fan of a lot of comedians but 
being a fan of a comedian just means like, oh, I'm going to go see them whenever I can. I'll buy their album. But I'm not going to like listen to their album every day. Like that's weird. Yeah. This is just jokes. <laughs> Once you hear the <laughs> I jokes, I think there's it's also over. a thing of like no matter how successfully branded the comedian is or yeah. how much they wear a mask, it's still usually one human being. Right. And even with two, you have the distance of a band. Yeah. And I think that yeah. makes a, a big difference well, in and sort also, of how obsessive you feel comfortable right. with being about it. That's a good point. It. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I would also say that, though, like, in a band, you're much more free to create uh, a more elaborate persona or, like, a, a whole mythology in that right. case. Like, there is a real Tenacious D mythology. And, um, and as much as they, I mean, it's, it's not very consistent or, or well, it's not like they have a bible that they're like well yeah. that doesn't uh you know in uh, city hall we said this so we cannot say this in this song. you guys don't get into continuity on a special thing <laughs> we, back in the we day we probably did we probably did yeah but um but but that's what kind of the fun of it is to try to like put the pieces together um but yeah i mean i i think like with a comedian even some comedians are more uh larger than life than others but yeah. it's still for the most part, especially the stuff that I like, it's really just that person and their life. Yeah. And so you're just you're dealing with a human being and their life. And yes, you can become like sort of attached to that, but it's different than getting attached. Like being a fan of Tenacious D, I think is more like being a fan of Lord of the Rings, basically. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Because it's like this weird fantastical universe unto itself. If you want it to be, I mean, yeah, they put the they put the foundation there for you to build your own whatever you want to imagine is happening because you know? <laughs> it's all very like sort of uh, out there and weird. Cool. Um, so uh, on the podcast, I ask people some questions about uh, how obsessed they are mm-hmm. and you are kind of unique in that your obsession was ended ended <laughs> yeah it has a but it, but it also is it's your obsession is sort of like big bang like of it like created this other universe of obsession for <laughs> that's you that's true yeah uh so feel free to answer these you okay ask them but feel free to I'll answer to... them from 14 years ago right, right, or from right. now yeah uh I'll, I'll try to go back to like yeah to, to the mindset of of like when i was you know really in the in the thick of it because i think that's kind of interesting okay cool uh so back in the day did you think about tenacious d every single day Absolutely, yeah. no question about it. I mean, I was on the message board every day. Right. I was, I was, you know, moderating the message board, so it was like, it was like my job. It was like my self-appointed job to think about them every day. Basically, I mean, that's what yeah. And there, but and there was no specific event or moment. It was just a slow moving away from them. Right. The yeah. Well, focus. the so the the album <laughs> people. People other than me probably don't remember this as well, but the album came out two weeks after 9-11. Okay. Um, and uh, struggled. <laughs> I mean, I think it was always going to be a tough sell, but like, you know, it was a major label. They put they put a fair amount of money into marketing and promoting it. Like Spike Jones directed a music video for them. Okay. Um, and it was a big deal. It was like an expensive looking video for Wonder Boy. It's a good video too. Look it up. It's kind of like a parody of, of like a Lord of the Rings type cool. movie. Cool. And, um, and, and, you know, the fans, we, we did our part to try to get them to, to keep them, you know, to, yeah. to, to propel them as much as we could uh, out into the world. But ultimately it kind of felt like this is going to be, this is just one of those cult things. Like this is not really designed for a mass for audience. Mass. It's just too cool. weird. So, um, yeah. So then it, so after the album, like I was saying before, kind of tanked i think they they did tour in support of that album and, and in the next year they were doing some more stuff but jack's movie career took off the fact the album didn't do well combined with his busy schedule i think it was just 
of sort of organically. Oh, and then Kyle started a side project called Trainwreck, which um, <laughs> which I, I was also a, a big supporter of just because of the website. I was still involved in that, and that was kind of like the only thing to latch onto because okay. Tenacious D was kind of on hiatus, I guess. So like I, I would go to Trainwreck shows, and, okay, and um, and uh, and see them, and that was that was Kyle and the guy who played Lee on the HBO show, which is a real friend of them, a real friend of theirs named Jason. And he was an actor also from the actors gang. He was like the lead singer. And then Kevin Weissman, you might remember him from alias was their mm-hmm. drummer. I think. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, I've also met him since then and he's a really cool guy. And, and so, yeah, he's, he's, they've done tours and stuff, but anyway, that was kind of the transitional period where like train wreck was happening and people were talking about that. But at the same time, and for me, comedy death ray had started at, at M bar and I was going to that every week and getting really into just watching stand up. And I, I think I just, I think I just kind of transferred my passion from tenacious. I yeah. just rechanneled it into, Oh my God. Cause I, obviously I had been a big fan of Mr. Show also. And I've been obsessed about that in a different way, you know, not, a, not as, um, not as focused a way, but I was, I watched all those episodes, you know, on DVD. Well, before the DVDs came out, I watched them on, on tape a lot and uh <laughs> and so when so comedy death ray was really like and it from in my life it was the answer to the question what happened to all those people from mr show because <laughs> okay. it was like scott and bj hosted it or they they ran it and then um just like all these comedians who had been featured on there right. like paul right. tompkins and and um you know, Jerry Minor and uh, I mean, even people who weren't involved in Mr. Show, but just were in that community were popping up there like Chris Hardwick and, and, and Jimmy Pardo and, and, uh, and Andy Kindler. So like, I was just like, Oh shit, well this is happening. Like this isn't, this isn't like dormant the way Tenacious D is, but right. this is like really happening right now. Um, I'm excited about this. So then that's, that was the beginning of the sort of phase out of Tenacious D on okay. the site. It was like my focus shifting to that just the general comedy scene cool uh so back in the day could you hold an entire conversation using nothing but lyrics and quotes from tenacious d um I, yeah i'm sure i could have yeah i mean like one of the things that we did on the site was like i transcribed the lyrics to every tenacious d song and put it on the site and then that weirdly because this was again very early still kind of pretty early days in the internet that those transcriptions were then basically stolen and put up on all the like those like big lyric sites like you know okay. AZ lyrics or whatever you know all those fucking weird sites when you yeah. t- when you search for lyrics it they is. all pop up like I remember the day when I was like searching something about Tenacious D as I would do often like just googling Tenacious or not even was Google around I don't even think Google was around <laughs> but Yahooing <laughs> or uh, dogpiling the uh, the Tenacious D and like finding their lyrics and like that's my transcription because I know that I wrote because they had a lot of scatting you know like okay. Jack does a lot of scatting and the way the way you would write out a scat would be very so unique. you recognize yeah, your like, interpretation I, I recognize of my Black scat yes like that that no one else would spell Rigagugu the way I did uh, so that's what that that's me so you were literally looking at a computer screen on the early internet saying that's my scat <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I don't know I wasn't gonna take credit for Jack's scat um, but yeah I I think I I was you know probably pretty bent out of shape that someone had sort of co-opted my. Um, you know, my transcriptions, which I yeah. felt like that's, that's, that's property of a special thing.com. <laughs> but so, yeah, so that's all just to say, I was very familiar with the lyrics. I knew every song, every word by heart. And if called upon, I don't think I ever did it, but I could, yeah. I could have done that. Yeah. Okay. 
Would you ha- have read or written Tenacious D slash fiction? Ha <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because I was a screenwriter, uh, you know, and I was an aspiring screenwriter, I wrote a pilot. I wrote a, 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 a an animated TV pilot based on um, Wonder Boy and Nasty Man, wow. which was like, I don't know if you know that song, Wonder yeah. Boy. Uh, that song kind of exists in its own universe, even within the Tenacious D uh, pantheon. <laughs> like it's it's its own <laughs> little storyline. Yeah. It's about them being superheroes. So um, sort of, I guess. I don't know. It's 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 pretty vague. But but I thought it would be funny. Like I, you know, obviously, like a lot of people, I grew up watching cartoons, and I always thought it was funny when um, when real things became cartoons, like the Mister T cartoon. Yeah. Or, um, you know, before that, like the Harlem Globetrotters being on Scooby-Doo or whatever. <laughs> like, I was just, I always thought that was a fucking weird thing that would happen. And I was like, well, it would be cool if there was like a Tenacious D cartoon. So I, I just wrote it. I thought, you know, again, it was like a good, probably a good writing exercise for me. And um, I did send it to their manager at one point. And, um, you know, I think she was like, yeah, this is great. You know, I don't really know what we can do with it. It was a weird, it's one of those weird things. Like I've been on the other side of that, like just from when I worked as a reader, like people don't want unsolicited material because it's like a weird (laughs) legal quagmire waiting to happen. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I did, I did do, I did do that. (laughs) I did write that script. Excellent. Uh, would you still listen to Tenacious D if Axl Rose joined the group? <laughs> Do you ask that of every single person who's on the show? Like no, no matter. Oh, okay, Axel's brand new. I have some other ones that okay. I always ask, but I, I just love the idea that it's always Axl Rose, no matter what. The I like Axl Rose is. a lot, so I might. Uh, I might start. <laughs> would you still watch the X Files if Axl Rose were the star? <laughs> I normally ask about Hitler and Adam Sandler. Okay. And Axl Rose is new for you. <laughs> okay, would I still listen to Tenacious D? at the at that time? Yes, because I actually think I think I think Axl Rose would have fit in nicely in yeah, the he, world of Tenacious D. Yeah, he's kind of a part of what they're parodying. Well, yes, I think. definitely. And and they're you know like I I know that they were big fans. They they actually used to cover. They they would do these things at their live shows. With their they they would just do like a snippet of a of a cover. Okay. Like they, didn't even know the whole thing or whatever. Like they didn't care to learn it, but like they would do, Oh, they would also do these like full, like full on Like they did, they used to close their show with, um, that whole, that weird chunk of whatever it is from the end of Abbey road that like, you know, just that like series of songs, okay. uh, that's like, you know, and they would do the whole thing just with guitars <laughs> and it was awesome. But, um, and they would play like a lot of who songs or maybe a couple of who songs, but yeah, I, I think they played like, uh, Mr. Brownstone or like they played some weird <laughs> song from Appetite. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I think that would work. I think I, I, if he was, if, if Axl Rose, first of all, Axl Rose has zero sense of humor as far as I can tell. <laughs> so it's probably not going to happen. But if he were cool enough to be like willing to do that, yeah. join them, it would be great. I, I think, think he's, great. I think he's getting a little quirky, a little loose. In really? his old age. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like he'd be a little more open to Yeah, it. like I follow okay. him on Twitter and he tweets, I'd oh, say, wow. uh, three times a year. <laughs> and I think he just tweeted like a picture of a cartoon butt the other day or something like very whimsical for Axel. Hmm. Wow, good for so him. So maybe he's verging over into... <laughs> Loosening up. ...into tenacious detail. Yeah, yeah. That's good for him, man. Uh, this is a question I ask everyone. Um, if you couldn't listen to Tenacious D without first being kicked in the balls, would you still listen to Tenacious D? <laughs> Oh man! Oh, I know. 
the answer, the 2014 answer is no, obviously. <laughs> um, the 2002 or the 2001 answer, uh, man, I wish I could go back and ask myself that because I don't know the answer. I want to say that I would, like, right now I kind of feel like no way, but like yeah. if you asked me that in, you know, September of 2001, like I probably would say, why are you asking me that? 9-11 just happened, you fucking <laughs> asshole. That's the first thing I'd say. Like, there's some serious shit happening. It's the time more. for coming together. Yeah. Not strange. <laughs> or I could say, like, look, kicking. compared to the, tw- the towers coming down, what's a what's a kick in the nuts? Uh, let's do this. America uh, just got kicked in the nuts. That's so right. Sure. That's right. We can, all, we can all come together and get kicked in the nuts for America <laughs> and Tenacious D. And for comedy. Yeah, I don't, that's a tough, that's a tough one. Yeah. Every time, I mean, that's something that, like, like I guess I guess the way I would deal with it would I would basically get kicked in the nuts once, start playing Tenacious D, and then keep it on a loop so I never had to <laughs> get kicked in the nuts again. But I would always be hearing it. Like that's how I would go about dealing with that because that would be fun. Like if you said, yeah. would you take one kick in the nuts to hear to, so you can hear Tenacious right. D? I'd be like, yeah, sure. One once, that's fine. I can I can deal with that. That seems very much like you that you would take something weird and try to like. Develop new technology <laughs> of the constant playing tenacious D <laughs> mechanism. Yes. That's how I turn uh, a sad, pathetic obsession into something productive. Like, into guys, we solved the problem of why. I don't know why why this nut kicking has to happen, but if that's the world we're in, then here's how to. Then we'll it. roll with that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I ask people to make a noise to sum up their obsession. Uh, is there a noise that you can make to sum up your love of tenacious D? Um trying to think of the perfect it would be it would it would be some kind of a scat noise (laughs) that's no no question about i'm just trying to think of like what my favorite again this would have been in the front of my mind at the time like what my favorite scat was like it probably we probably even had a thread like what's your favorite (laughs) scat um but uh yeah i'm trying to think i'm just thinking of the one from wonder boy because we were just talking about that but uh but is that the best is it the best probably not but um yeah, shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in my car and be like, "Oh, you idiot! It was this one." <laughs> but for now, I'll just go rigagoo goo rigagoo goo. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so I wrap up the podcast with uh, some random questions that don't have anything to do with the obsession. But okay. if you want to bring it in, great. Right. Uh, if you could fly, but in order to do so, you had to hold one specific object in your hand when you were flying. What object would you want to hold? Hmm. This does tie into Tenacious D because that's the 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 story of of Wonder Boy and Young Nasty Man is that they have they're talking about the powers that they have that they have one of the powers they have is the power of flight. So, um, and to rock your fucking ass off is like, that's, <laughs> that's the main thing. But um, <laughs> but uh, what one object would I? So wait, it could just be anything. Yeah. Oh, that seems like this is almost like saying like if you have to eat ice cream, what like. <laughs> What topping, like what delicious topping would you take on it? It's like, I already get to fly, so you get, I, I get to hold something in my hand while yeah. I'm flying. I mean, the, I think the practical answer is my iPhone <laughs> so that I can like figure out where I'm going and, and, you know, communicate with people, you know, stuff like that. But like, uh, I don't know, like what else would I, what else would come in handy as I'm flying? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with this. I think iPhones. It's iPhones a lame a good answer, answer, but I'm gonna. No, go I think iPhone. it's a it's a good answer. I've asked about four or five people this question, mm-hmm. and all of them have sort of accepted their fate that it somehow must be bad, which is not 
That is not at all said in the question. No, it it's just people assume <laughs> right. he's trying to fuck me in some way. So it's got to be a bad right. thing. Yeah. iPhone's great. So like, what's the least bad thing that could be having my hand? I don't know. Like dried up dog shit. Is that, <laughs> is that cool? Either iPhone or dried up dog shit. Yeah. I can get texts on one. Uh, if someone built a statue of you, what pose would you like to be in? Oh my god. Uh, ah. I don't know. Like I'm a big I'm I'm a big believer in like um this is this is going to get like really pompous and, and like unnecessarily kind of deep and serious, but like I do really feel like um I like 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 in, in this in the creative pursuits that I have been involved in, I I'm really a strong believer in just like honesty. I think I think honesty is like sort of like the driving force. <laughs> uh, like I, 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 like I, I believe in honesty. I think honesty is funny. I think, um, I think it's like a, it's the simplest path a lot yeah. of the time. Um, and so like it cuts out a lot of the unnecessary, like diversion and distraction. Um, like you can, I think you can get really caught up in trying to maintain lies and, and that's a waste of energy. So, so with that in mind, I think the pose I would go with would just be something like that, that's very true to who I am, which I don't know what that would be. But like, I think um, I do know that I like I, I sometimes I think I, a lot of times I stand with my arms crossed because I don't know what to do with my arms. <laughs> and like I did I had a job once where there was like I was working with a guy who stood like that a lot. Like it was like a menial job. Like we would like, we would, like sweep floors and okay. stuff. And a lot of times it would be like some guy being like, all right, guys, I need you to sweep this floor over here and then go uh, wash those windows. And so like when you're in that kind of position, it's like, what do you like when someone's telling you to like go do right. manual labor? Like, how do you maintain your dignity? And I, I like looked at this guy who was like a few years older than me and I was like, well, this guy's standing here with his arms crossed. He looks like he still looks like a man. Like yeah. he doesn't look like he, he, has, he hasn't been reduced to a fucking animal by this menial task. So like, I'm going to start doing that too. So I just started adopting that. And then I realized later, like that, you know, it looks very closed off and, yeah. and kind of, um, unapproachable, which is also something that I struggle with. Um, so I probably shouldn't do that, but it is very much like, I think people would recognize that. Oh yeah, that's Matt. He always stood with his arms crossed. Like, that, is, that is true to him. So I he's not a fucking animal. <laughs> yeah, he is a man. He may be a, an aloof man, a man who's signaling that he does not want to engage in a conversation with you. Even if he shares a love of the band Tenacious D, he would rather stand alone silently than, than talk to you. His arms are uncrossed on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, so I think because like, what else can you do? Put your arms at your hips like a fucking yeah, like like uh, I'm not like a superhero, I'm, yeah, yeah, or like a the leader of a, a labor movement. Like I'm not <laughs> like I'm not I'm not claiming to be some fucking guy who is a leader of men. I just yeah. you know, yeah. But that's a very that just the idea of that is is humorous to me that there would ever be a statue <laughs> of me. That's that's preposterous. That's great. Uh, and the final question for everyone on the podcast is: What is happiness? <laughs> Uh, you know, like the first thing that comes to my mind is, is what we were talking about before, which is just balance, you know, um, uh, you know, like my kids make me happy. My wife makes me happy. My work makes me happy. I think if I'm, if I'm doing, if I, if I go too far on, you know, into one thing or, uh, you know, it gets out of balance and then, you know, I think you sort start to lose that sense of contentment and, and balance and, and, and happiness. So yeah, I think, I think balance that's my answer. Really, That's a great answer. Really boring answer. <laughs> and it's, it's definitely been said before, but uh, 
but yeah, that's 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 what works for me. Awesome. Thank you very much for doing this. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Awesome. That's our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Hello and welcome to the end of Obsessed. I have one quick plug today. I have a show coming up here in Los Angeles called Hot Comedy Dreamtime. And the point of the show is that I get awesome people to come on the show and I ask them for their comedy fantasies, roles they've always wanted to play. And then we write little scripts for them and comedy magic happens. The comedy magic will be happening on Monday, November 17th. And that is a very special day because that is also my eighth wedding anniversary. So come out for that. Uh, and the guests at my eighth wedding anniversary hot comedy dream time humor fantasy show uh, will be Hal Lublin, Will Wheaton, and John Ross Bowie. So please come check that out. And as a reward for listening to this commercial, here is a scat noise. Shiva down! That barely counts as scat. <laughs>